0: everybody i'm reed i'm an alcoholic um i am just a week shy of two years sober um i've got a sponsor he knows he's my sponsor i uh try to be a service whenever i can and i'm super grateful for the invite here tonight um i've pretty much been uh you know an everyday drug or alcohol user since i was like 13 years old uh, alcohol runs super heavy in my family. Uh, my mom passed away from alcoholism when I was like 12 years old, but my dad had like over 50 years in the program when he passed away. So I kind of got both sides of, of the spectrum there. Um, early in my childhood, I was, you know, as a result of like a custody battle, I was put in a group home and it kind of, it lasted for almost four years and it kind of just really you know molded me in a in a very like violent combative way at a super early age you know and institutionalized me and i i never seemed to really get out of that you know just always being in trouble always having some type of conflict just kind of carried around my entire life um like i said i've been an everyday drug or alcohol user pretty much every day since i was 13. Um, drugs are a super big part of my story, but alcohol was like always my foundation, you know, like other drugs were, you know, no good without alcohol, you know? So I developed quite, you know, a habit of intake substances and, um, you know, I was a super workaholic too. You know, I like to obsess about things, find anything to obsess about and just kind of latch onto it and. But again, I still have that combative nature. and you know, I do real good at jobs, and then, you know, it was only a matter of time before like I felt I knew how to run their business better, or I worked harder than everybody else there and resented everybody. and I you know, collected a lot of resentments, and you know, when you know, I always say if I could keep my mouth shut, I'd be a millionaire. you know i i I've, I've seemed to have ruined like every golden opportunity in my life you know that was you know that i earned and you know i cheated myself out of a lot of success a lot of relationships with people that i alienated you know just you know my combative nature and just being super selfish you know like you know being in that group home forever i i just had it in my head that the next thing that's going to happen is going to be the worst thing and that you know things are never going to get better, you know, and I can, I, you know, it took me forever to understand why I was even in there. So those kind of stacked up all those problems for me, you know, um, you know, just the way that molded me, my alcohol intake and everything. If we fast forward a little bit, you know, I have a kid and I have the wife thing going on, you know, I'm doing well at the current job I'm in. And, um, my father came down with cancer and, um, you know, we were able to be cancer twice, you know, and me and my dad have always been super close. Oh, never lived apart from each other. Like we're inseparable. You know, he was like the greatest man that, you know, I've ever known, you know, super awesome dude, you know, always helped tons of people. Everybody loved him. And, um, and when we lost that battle, I, it just kind of broke me. You know, I I just couldn't get out of bed for like two years. You know, I was just super depressed, broken person. You know, I felt super guilty about, you know, being caught up in my addiction and my disease when, you know, I was doing the best I could to be a caretaker for him. But, you know, he was just such a great guy that, you know, no matter what I did for him, I'd still feel guilty. But it's one gift that this program has given me, you know, is, is the ability to make amends. And I know he would be proud of me. And, you know, it's kind of bittersweet that I don't get to do the program with him, but like, you know, he was a super good example and, you know, a huge part of why I stuck around. And so like shortly, you know, shortly after, um, my father passed away. Things got really dicey between me and, and my wife, and uh, it was, you know, we'd been together, you know, twenty years, but it was super toxic relationship, and we we're just the only thing each other had really known, and you know, we're used to, and we had the kid, and so, you know, I don't think either one of us really want to be in that relationship, and you know, she tried to clean me up a bunch of times, you know and I could clean up good for a couple months, real short periods of time. And, but my health got really bad too. And, you know, I just wasn't leaving the house or taking care of myself, you know, just kind of wallowing in depression and in my disease and, and my health got really bad. And, uh, it was kind of demanded of me after, you know, some of my drunken shenanigans, you know, that I, that I clean up, that I get help, you know, and, um, so I, I tried to clean up and i did for 18 months you know i was still using other substances but it's the first time i've gone that long without you know drinking daily and you know i was sick as hell i didn't have a voice for like two weeks of my initial sobriety or, or if you want to call it that I'm not drinking you know just from throwing up i just completely burnt out my throat and several trips to the hospital and so i did that 18 months and that was probably you know some of the most miserable time I've, I've spent alive is just being, you know, just the pissiest, driest person in the world, you know, and um, one after 18 months of that, everything came crashing down. I relived, relapsed, got in a huge fight with my wife um, and I ended up waking up being arrested and uh, I went to jail. And now that, that is exactly one week from today, two years ago. And that's when, you know, everything really changed for me as, you know, I, I had consequences and, um, you know, of course that was a requirement to come back home. You know, I didn't do any program, even though I knew but had a lot of exposure to it, but one of the requirements to get bailed out and to come back home was to get into AA. And I, you know, I had a really good friend that I trusted that introduced me to the late show. And, you know, that's why I got sober online at the late show. So I know a ton of you guys from super good to see you guys. And, um, yeah, it just kind of stuck with me. And, um, I had all these charges, I was on bail and, and, uh, you know, I went to court and, you know, on the date they told me and I wasn't on the docket. So, you know, I thought I was out of trouble, but, and usually at that time, every single time I've ever been out of trouble again, you know, I've always gone back to my old ways inevitably. But, you know, I was going to the late show like I felt like, you know, I super missed my dad. It it, it helped me feel closer to him after losing him. And so I just kind of stuck around. But I thought I was out of trouble. And then like three months later, I get a summons to court. And the first thing that happens is that uh, I get a protective order put on me. I can't go home, can't call or nothing. And, you know, I knew I was dead if I stayed in California and just couch surfed around and all that. So I had a buddy in Washington that I come up and visit all the time. And so I ran away up here. And um, he checked himself into a rehab like when I was on the drive up here, you know, and told me the keys are here and everything. And you're more than welcome to everything. I'll see you in 30 days. And this kind of surprised me. And I found myself like super alone in this trailer, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Washington. And not, you know, being so uncertain of the future, if I can ever go home, all these charges. You've got two minutes. And so I, uh, um, that's when I actually started doing the steps, you know, and I found a, a sponsor that, you know, I didn't choose, you know, my other sponsors I chose on like who wouldn't ride me that hard or make me do that much. I just had to call every once in a while. And I, and I found, you know, an awesome person that, that made me work that, that I trusted in. After doing a four step, like I was able to get rid of all the resentments that were, that's like all I had in that trailer. You know, I had nothing but resentments and blamed all the people that got there, everybody but me, you know, and, you know, just working through that and able to accept everything, you know, just started helping me build my life back together shortly after that I got the I was able to get the restraining order removed that was like my only goal in life is to go back home you know and my sponsor's like you really think it's a great idea to go back home maybe you should just stay there and a couple days after that my landlord called me and we lived there for 15 years but she was, was selling the house and wanted us out of there and it's like shit now I don't even have a home to go back to you know and and I was doing bad. You know, I hadn't been working in a couple of years. I didn't have any savings anymore. It, it was over for me. And that like really, you know, God was doing for me what I could not do for myself is, you know, I was able to get out of that relationship, you know, and both of us are super happy now. And this is the first time in my life that I've ever parted ways with somebody without it being, fuck you. You know, I hope you burn in hell, you know, which is amazing. You know, And I'm super proud of the both of us. And like today you know like everything that i got away that, that, that i lost that i needed i've gotten back plus way more ever since that i could just get out of my way you know and and just trust that my higher power you know got me out of that trailer got my son back in my life gave me an amazing career which i got through this program that my sponsor knew a dude that knew a dude and so this program has just given me everything back and Like, my son's having a lot of health problems right now, and, like, that's super scary and stressed out. But, like, it occurred to me the other day that, like, the last time I was this desperate, you know, and begged God for help, my whole life changed. You know, everything, complete and total 180. So, yeah, I'm super scared about that, but, like, I can't help but think that this will bring something good. Like, we'll take better care of each other. We'll appreciate our time together more. You know, instead of like, holy shit, what if the worst thing happens? Because that's what I've conditioned myself to do my whole life is to just assume the very worst is going to happen. you know, and then when it's not that bad, I get some kind of relief from it. You know, but now I can just take things as they come and know that they're going to be all right. And I've been given tools to to get through these, you know, situations that used to baffle us. So that's my share. I'm super grateful to be here. Thank you so much, Laura, for the invite.
1: Right on, Reed. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Um, now it's time to pass the basket. Uh, yeah, do your job, Dean. Um, in accordance with the seven tradition, which states that every A group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside contributions, we have no dues or fees but we do have meeting expenses, including podcasts and Zoom fees. We are responsible for our own meeting expenses. You can contribute through the Venmo app. Look for the code. Um, I'll put it in the chat and it's also up on your screen right now. And now I would like to turn the meeting over to our main speaker, Ippie Lang, who will share their experience, strength, and hope with us
0: until 8.55, but get in so earlier if they wish. Uh, Yipi Lang, do you need any help keeping track of time
1: um, probably around five or ten sounds good reason. thank you okay
0: all right take it away
1: thank you thank you thank you um, thank you Laura um, hi everyone my name is Epi Lang and I'm an alcoholic and um, I'm really grateful to be here tonight and um, I hope that something that I say can be of service can uh, touch some way in in some way, Um, because I love AA. And while I haven't, um, let me start with this. First of all, let me just say this. I hope that nothing I say tonight is a little too meta And I hope I'm able to keep it, like, right here. So bear with me, please. I'm going to stick to the um, format, what it was like, what happened, and um, what it's like now. Um, My sobriety date is April 30th, 2016. I have a sponsor. I haven't spoken to her in... in at least a month or so, Uh, but we do know that she's my sponsor. She knows I'm her sponsee. And there are a couple of women who I am working, taking through either the traditions or the steps at this time. I don't have a specific service commitment. And I've been doing AA so differently than I ever have before. Meaning, um, I haven't really been, this is just being honest, right? A lot of meetings, probably just meetings, period, right? Um, And so I'm grateful to be here because, because I am. How about that? Um, So I think what I'll start with is what it was like. Um, I was born and raised in New York City. My dad is South African. My mother was from Oakland. And I'm here in Oakland, California right now. Um, Alcoholism is a family disease, very much a family disease. Um, On... The paternal side of my family. Um, When I was about six or so, I was really, yeah, when I was about six or so, uh, my dad left the States to uh, join wholeheartedly uh, the freedom struggle in Southern Africa at that time. So I am an adult who essentially grew up with the anti-apartheid movement as as I say, as my rival sibling. Um, When I think of myself at that time, because there was such a shift in our family life, right? What I've come to understand through our fellowship, through the steps, all of that is I was very ungrateful. I was a very ungrateful child, right? And so one of the things that that has also uh, taught me, because my dad was also a poet, I he wrote about me all the time, all that kind of stuff, but I wanted him here in my way, right? Um, and... One of the things that I've also come to realize, like I say, through the fellowship, is I'm the kind of um, alcoholic. I really identify with the spiritual hunger piece that we talk about. I, I, that's that's me to a T. Um, so anyway, father leaves. Some other things happen through my early uh, teens, even tweens. Um, and by the time I was 13 or 14 years old, um, I had my first like drink drink, right? Although alcohol partying all part of the culture. Um, but 13, 14, had my first drink. It was gin. I threw up all over the place. It was disgusting, it was foul. My friends had to, to clean me up. It was ugh, it was just disgusting. I never drank gin again also after that, right? But it was relief. Like I felt so good and relieved. And what I did is um, I carried on drinking. I just didn't do with gin. So then by the time, so that's like 13, 14, I was... Uh, probably started smoking weed around that time. Also, by the time I was about 15 or 16, I can remember my mother sitting me down um, and saying to me, one of the Kennedys had um, OD'd um, in Harlem near us. And I remember my mother saying to me, if you think you have a drug or alcohol problem, um, I hate to tell you this, but you're on your own. Because if the Kennedys can't fix it, then yeah. you're fucked. That's not what she said, but that is essentially what she said. And what she also said is that she wasn't an institution. And um, so what that tells you is, while well, I'm 53 and I came in here almost seven years. years?
0: That was the only thing that was left.
1: And um, while I'm 53 and I came here almost, like I said, six plus years ago, that um, I could have been a candidate for this program way back when, right? So what that progressed to um, is more of the same. I dropped out of college. um, Yeah, probably after my Third semester or so, and um, I was able to pursue a nightlife career, (laughs) and uh, that certainly uh, kept me in the game with my alcoholism. Right. Fast forward a couple of years. I also started a career in journalism. Right, and I. Dropped out of college. That started by the time I um, was about 24. Right. Yes, my mother passed, and um, and and I had this promising career. I'm mean, going to mention two things at the same time. That uh, that career I would eventually party, drink myself out of, right? Um, Probably about within four years, about four years later. The piece about uh, my mother's passing is important uh, because it was during that year I also um, went to South Africa for the first time. Some things happened there. That's the year that I say that I completely got the fuckets. Like that was the, it was done. And um, alcohol at that point became my solution to live in the world, right? And that thing that we speak of with self-pity and all of that, um, I was, that's where I was right? And also, um, because I can be quite charming, um, and all of those things, I was also able to um, get everyone sort of around me, family or not, to be able to co-sign with that, right? So, let's fast forward 20 years. So, what that means that during that period, up until when I um, came into the rooms with the exception of maybe 30 days because of some medication I was taking. um, I drank the whole time, right. Among other things and what that looked like. uh, Oh, and I also did my first geographic during that time. I, Left New York to go to Miami to stop doing, to stop snorting alcohol, right? And my idea was that I would hang out by the beach and, you know, all those absurd things that we tell ourselves. And um, that obviously did not happen. Uh, I came to California because an aunt invited me to I worked for her. And while I was here, what I didn't have was that other drug, the cocaine, right? And so what that looks like, like it talks about in that more about alcoholism, right? What that managing looks like, like trying to like figure out what straw to drink out of. If I was with certain work people, what it, um, the, uh, the whole list that's mentioned completely applies to me, right? And then also, what I also think of is I made sure that, again, I worked in restaurants and the restaurant where I worked for about 15 years absolutely helped support my alcoholism, right? And... March. We're in March now. So around March, uh, about six, however many years ago, 2016, is sort of when I was reaching my bottom, right? And at the time, remember there were a lot of people, there's a lot, I think I lost a cousin then, a whole bunch of stuff. And I would always blame what I was doing on, oh, because someone died or this or all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, fast forward to April during that time. And I was at work and um, and I kept sending in my orders wrong right and for some reason like if we were at dinner i was ordering from the lunch menu and i was really fascinated by the s's on the menu and so everything that said s i was just like randomly sending to the kitchen you know and uh the boss asked me to uh to leave and i did and then i had to go and talk to one of the other bosses Uh, a couple of days later. And he asked what the problem was. And I told him, I thought that I had a bereavement problem, right? Um, My dad was still alive at that time. And I'm really grateful because I spoke to him. He was in South Africa at the time. And um, I remember Part of our conversation, I was like, Papa, I can't believe this is happening to me, so on and so forth. And he was like, you have this opportunity. I'm paraphrasing, but also what he was like is, would you wish anything that's happened to you on anyone else? Right? And... In many ways, because of that conversation, I don't know what my father's program was like at all, right? Um, But that conversation uh, helped me have the willingness to be able to go to Kaiser Permanente and do the outpatient program there. And with the outpatient program, one of the requirements was to go to meetings. And gosh, and um, and I can remember the experience of, you know, in the program, having to like pee into a cup daily, going to these different sessions that you do there. But also, um, I was so broken when I think of like that first, that very first, like I was so broken like if anyone opened them like I was just crying that was it right and what I think of that I'm so very grateful for are the fellows and the woman um who reached out to just say like hello they they did that thing um uh during that time in an in-person meeting of um, writing everyone's names on the back of uh, a a book and their phone numbers and uh, just making themselves available. When I was at one of these meetings, probably my third meeting or so, it was a woman's meeting. And uh, whoever, this woman there said to me, "Um, the only thing that I know that has been able to help me is to get a sponsor. And so she was like, so you better get a sponsor, girl. Or you sit you know. And so there was someone who was standing, like, right there. And I liked the coat that she had on. And so I asked her if she'd be willing to be my temporary sponsor. And she agreed to. And she was um, quite the stickler and completely who I needed at that time. Right. And we got to work right away. We read from the book on a weekly basis. I had to send her uh, what I was t- t- like gratitude um, stuff. I had to tell, I had to make sure to that being of service at a meeting included lifting chairs and included talking to any newcomer who came in, because even if I only had 48 hours, or whatever, that person who just had 24, I represented some sort of hope for that newcomer, right? There's a word that I've heard recently that I absolutely love a phrase, we don't say it in our literature, but for me, it absolutely defines what we do here, and it's called radical hospitality. And I love it because what it speaks to is just, just, it's this revolutionary welcome, right? Just like what we do with, it's particularly with the newcomer, right? With each other, but particularly with the newcomer. So, anyway, um, we went through the steps. Um, I was really moved by step four. Um, because it was the first time that it had even occurred to me to be able to take, to realize that I played a part in all of my resentments, right? That was the wildest thing ever. That, that just had never occurred to me before. Um, I'm going to fast forward to now, sort of, so it's, we're in March, I know that sounds a like cuckoo, but it's March <laughs> 11th, 2023, and um, I have overwhelming gratitude, like I mentioned, for the fellowship. I, um, I'm grateful that I no longer have the desire to drink. Um, I just had an experience this week that um, really reaffirms, sort of, uh, my connectedness with God, with my higher power, um, that. could have never happened without the fellowship of um, Alcoholics Anonymous. And I say that because without coming to my knees, without having to go to Kaiser, without having to um, go to these meetings that are required, I never would have found, I don't believe, a relationship with a higher power and the difference between my life today versus my life what it was like is i thought that i was in control of everything right i played i played i played god right i tried to control the outcomes we talk about this thing around self will or in step 3 the idea of both uh, our higher power's will and hours, just sort of like how that works in terms of synchronicity, right? And I am definitely, um, I've always been throughout this period, but I'm seeing it in different ways now, um, how much that works together and uh, and what it's able to uh, yield. What I also know too is um, Where my alcoholism mostly shows up these days, if we think of resentments, is at work. (laughs) And um, what I'm really grateful for is that I have these things, the step tens, um, that I uh, I have a whole lot of other tools that I can use that I've learned here to be able to work through that stuff, right? And um, it's funny because I've also been able to come to a place of acceptance around that, <laughs> and to not beat myself up over it, um, but to uh, to take responsibility for it, right, and to also understand that if I'm not bringing God into The picture into the program then it's you know with these resentments at work then I'm screwed that's it you know and either I want to keep feeling that feeling or not you know and um I also think that another thing that is different between um then, what it was like then and what it's like now. There's a story in the back of the book. I think it's called Freedom from Bondage. And um, one of the takeaways for me in that story is uh, this whole idea of rationalization, right? The whole idea of uh, making excuses for people's piss-poor behavior. That could be other people's or also to be my own right and that's the same um, story that talks about the resentment prayer right but anyway um, one of the things that I'm also really grateful for uh, through the fellowship through the steps through through this life that I've been given that we've been given is the ability to be able to um, call something what it is to not have to rationalize and BS about, uh, about facts, if that makes any sense, right? Well, that's really important for me because, um, because I've done a lot of that throughout my life, right? And um, alcohol certainly helped to illuminate that even further. Um, The other thing that I wanted to say is I'm really grateful for um, the fellowship because, oh, the other piece in there is the piece that I mentioned about willingness, right? Willingness, so important. The other piece too, is, um, get a sponsor, get a sponsor, get a sponsor. Right. Um, as we also talk about be of service and yeah, I don't know that I have much else to say. I'm just, I'm so, so grateful. The life that I have now is actually, this is what I will say is when I came in, one of my huge resentments, um, that I had, uh, I had a resentment, like I mentioned, I come from uh, a family that does like a lot of artsy stuff. And when I was uh, starting out in that journalism career, right, I remember uh, going to someone's office and they had like, duh, of course they had a Rolodex, right? (laughs) Um, When the, Woman turned her um, rolodex around. I happened to see that there was some uh, note on there that said something about AP Lang, so so-and-so and so and so and so's daughter, right? And because of that, um, the the thing that I always had this like insecurity around is that I was only getting hired because of family relationships and I bring that up as it relates to my alcoholism because most of the damage that happened with me and maybe this is meaningful for someone who's here mine didn't have to do with like prisons or something like that but mine was really internal right like really really internal so it's this beating up beating up beating up Beating up, beating up, beating up, beating up. And um, and it's a terrible, horrendous way to live, right? It just doesn't feel good. And like I said, there is always that spiritual hunger thing there too, right? So then to add on top of that, it doesn't feel good. Um so fast forwarding to like I spoke of about this uh, beautiful win. In this past week, is it's the other side of that, right? It's something that um, there's a freedom that I have now, right? Um, it is a creative win. That's why I bring it up, right? But perhaps if 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 I didn't realize how huge, and this was a resentment that I held onto for decades, right? But maybe if I had um, not had these steps and the tools that we have here to be able to be freed of that, um, maybe what has uh, transpired since, thank you. Thanks so I see that. I wouldn't be in the space that I am now and I wouldn't be able um, to be able to use that to be of some kind of service to others, right? Um, The other thing I should, yeah, that's, I think I'll leave it there. I hope that someone got something out of that. I really, really do. Um, I love you all and I'm grateful. Thank you.